On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Earlier today, I spoke to the Labour Party leader, Ivana Bacic. I asked her about the party's poor performance in the opinion polls. Two polls today has the party at just 4%. But I started about getting her response to newspaper reports that there might now be three energy credits in the coming months. Well, certainly, Gavin, I saw those reports and... Uh, you know, clearly any measures that alleviate the hardship being faced by so many families and households across the country would be welcome. But certainly we in Labour would have questions about whether this is the best way of of alleviating hardship. We're conscious that the last €200 energy credit cost the government €400 million. If there's now a proposal to put three different payments of €200, clearly that will be of assistance to families, but it's not targeted so as to support those most at risk of energy poverty. And we do think there are other measures government could adopt which would go further helping families and helping households. We've called, for example, for an expansion of the fuel allowance to bring in more households into the eligibility criteria. That would be a targeted measure uh, and it would, we think, have a more uh, impact, a greater impact on those families really struggling. We've also called, of course, for a price freeze, a cap on prices, uh, and indeed, uh, for a windfall tax and excessive profits from energy companies. And so we're conscious that those are measures in particular that the EU are also looking at, at introducing uh, at European level. So clearly those would be welcome too. But look, anything, whether it's universal or targeted, that alleviates hardship at this time when we're facing such a bleak, bleak winter, clearly that is to be welcomed. But I think government do need to look at how best to ensure that the that the, the, the spend, the resources are targeted to those most in need. I'll come back to windfall tax in just a minute, but just because you mentioned expanding access to the for, to the likes of the fuel allowance, isn't the problem there, although there will be good merit in making sure the money is targeted and it gets spent by the right people, um, that you would then have to go through the means testing process and you'd always have the delay of the bureaucracy of assessing hundreds of thousands of households who may not have qualified beforehand, who may never have been assessed, and the time that that eats up when they could be getting assistance now through a blunt universal system for which the legislation already exists and, and could be done effectively overnight? Yes, clearly that there's a there's a logistical issue there, as you say, and it, it's of course easier simply to give the universal uh, payout. And clearly that universal credit is of huge support and huge assistance to families and households, so there's no doubt about that. But I think we do need to look very carefully uh, um, at the the principle of expansion of eligibility. Currently, the criteria is set very low. It would, even to increase it to, for example, to €250 per week as a limit, which is still a very low income, uh, that would cost cost £15 overall, but it would, in fact, really assist those, I suppose, who are currently most squeezed, which is those who are in work but in low-paid work and who are really struggling to get by, whose income might have been just about enough to meet their cost of living uh, even six months or a year ago. But now with this biting energy crisis and and cost of living crisis, that income is no longer enough. So every day in my own constituency, I meet people, couples who are in two income households, for example, who can no longer afford the childcare, the rental or mortgage costs and the food and fuel costs that that their incomes were sufficient to meet a year ago. And that's why we in Labour have said, Ireland needs a pay rise. We need to see uh, government do more to alleviate those costs. We're calling for a cap on childcare costs in particular, because that's an area where government could really intervene to make a big difference. And we're calling also for a public transport subvention. Uh, we've seen it done very effectively in Germany to bring down costs for households uh, in terms of travel, but also to ad- address our climate targets. So we think we should see a climate ticket introduced in this budget. Nine euro per month would enable anyone to 
travel anywhere in Ireland for free on public transport. Not free, but for so that for the very euro. subsidised yeah. price. Exactly. Uh, um, and, and again, in Germany, that's been so successful. We've seen it take millions of tonnes of, uh, of carbon out of the atmosphere and really support mm. struggling households. And we're also calling for free GP care for children, which has been a long-standing labour um, Sure. Um, you could, I'm sure people would probably point out that it hasn't been a totally unqualified success in Germany because it does mean that the public transport, even as extensive as it is, has been massively overscribed and you have people sitting on on uh, sitting on the floors and trains and difficult to, to get on buses. But but the, the point taken about the success of getting people onto it in the first place, about the windfall tax, and you mentioned that the EU is effectively per, uh, pursuing this now anyway. Yep. Um, Eamon Ryan was saying yesterday that this is likely to yield billions for the Irish Exchequer alone to be able to put towards uh, energy cost mitigations and the likes. Do you find it sort of curious that this is now happening at EU level and that the Irish government has been somewhat reticent to, to pursue this, or at least that we know that within Fine Gael that they're reticent to pursue a windfall tax because they're frightened of, of scaring off further investment in infrastructure? I think it is strange that the government are not more proactive on this, but I suppose it's symptomatic of a sense at government level that they've been asleep at the wheel or asleep at the handlebars uh, in in the face of this energy crisis. You know, months ago, this was being predicted. Indeed, since the brutal invasion of Ukraine by Russia began in February, it was very clear that what had already been an issue with rising energy prices was going to become even more so. And now we're seeing Putin weaponizing gas supply to Europe. And so, you know, it is long past time for government to start introducing the sort of emergency measures that actually other countries have already introduced. And we've seen, for example, in Spain, uh, a free uh, cap on prices, cap on energy prices introduced nationally before this was being uh, reviewed at European level. And similarly, we in Ireland should and could have introduced windfall tax provision much earlier. We've looked at some of the figures from the department, the department themselves have been giving us on this. And we see that a 30% tax, for example, could raise more than 200 million euro. I know Eamon Ryan is saying the figure could be higher again, mm. depending on how you, depending, of course, on how you levy the tax. But clearly, it is utterly unsustainable to see energy companies making excessive profits at a time when families are having sure. to choose between heating and eating would you, and facing such a bleak winter. Would you like to have seen a cap on, on prices the way that's been pursued in, in Britain and in Spain, like you say? Yes, we've called for that. You know, it's it, it can be very costly. We're conscious of that. But we're also conscious, as I've said, that the €200 Euro credit the government are proposing is a more blunt instrument, but is uh, but is also very costly. So, you know, the government mm. does... We do know also, I suppose, Gavin, that they're in the Exchequer figures from last Friday, that, there, you know, that, that we've already got a £6.3 billion budget surplus in the first eight months of this year. So, you know, there is this paradox where, you know, there's a successful economy at one level, but people struggling to get by at another level. You know, Ireland isn't working. It's just simply not working for so many households. And so the government does need to harness some of that Exchequer uh, surplus into alleviating hardship, into doing radical things like a cap on prices, like a windfall tax, like the free sure. GP care and childcare caps that we've called. The, the reason I ask about a, a price cap, though, is that it's been tried in Britain, and one of the problems that you have in Britain is that it, they regularly then had to end up increasing the price cap because there were energy providers going out of business because they were unable to provide energy at the lower level. Now, I know Liz Truss, before the news of Thursday, was announcing a new cap where the state would subsidise the difference anyway, but you do have the problem where if energy companies cannot meet that price cap, that you end up then pushing even more people out of the market rather than bringing them in. Yes, I mean, I mean, you know, clearly it's a, it's a, it's quite complex to, to get this right, and I think it is appropriate. I must say that the EU are taking action on this. You know, the government does have power here, however, to through the 2007 Consumer Protection Act, and it can be done uh, through that mechanism of maximum price orders. We have seen, of course, in, as you say, in other countries like Spain, where it, it does end up 
in a situation where government effectively is offering a subsidy to energy companies to keep them going. So clearly that's you know, that's one mm. contract. Because I sort of think if, if the shoe was on the yeah. other foot, then parties like yours and others on the left of the spectrum would be complaining that the government was subsidising large profitable industries. Yeah, so it has to be done in a careful way. There's no doubt about that. And the other, I suppose, the other unforeseen consequence, if you like, is that, you know, we, we don't want to see companies that are uh, generating electricity through renewables being penalised. But, you know, but the reality is, on the other hand, that those those companies are the ones that are that are really likely to be making profits because, of course, they aren't paying out for gas. I mean, clearly there's a dysfunctional market. And I suppose this comes back to the point that market-driven policies do not work to offer families and household security. And, you know, that's a key message for us in Labour, is that we need to see greater levels of state intervention, as we did to get us through COVID-19, through the years of the pandemic. We saw the state stepping up. And in the same way, the state needs to step up now. The government needs to act with greater urgency to look at creative and radical ways to alleviate hardship. And that's really the central message. What do you make of where the Labour Party is under your leadership right now? There's two polls in today's uh, Sunday papers, both in the Sunday Times and the Sunday Business Post. They both have your party standing at 4%. And now in one of them, that's up a point. In the other one, it's down two. But either way, it is far from the levels that Labour was accustomed to and even the levels that Labour thinks would be tenable in the years to come. What are you going to do to get your party beyond 4% and back towards double digits? Well, first of all, I've been a long time in politics and I know that change takes time to build and, uh, and you know, polls can, polls can come and go. I suppose la- the other thing is that last summer in the Dublin Bay South by-election, we certainly confounded the polls and, I mean, I suppose that's the only real test of, the, of uh, public sentiment we've seen since the 2020 general election and of course Labour won that by-election so you know so I so I would take a longer view on this and I would also say that uh, you know for Labour we've had a very successful thinking a very productive and indeed you know really good uh, momentum boosting uh, thinking in Wexford over the uh, over Thursday and Friday of last week uh, we were hosted by Brendan Howland and of course Councillor George Lawler our long-standing Labour councillor there and you know we've, we've come out of that really um, really I think you know, re-energised for the term ahead and for what will be a very difficult time, we're very much committed to holding government to account and to ensuring that we are pushing from opposition to ensure that there are really, really sufficient Mm. measures taken to alleviate hardship. But it's, it's, a, it's a crowded marketplace, though, in your part of the spectrum and in your corner of the door, because there's lots of small parties that are all chasing the same section of the electorate. What's your point of difference? Well, Labour, of course, have a huge difference in the sense that we are not only a very long established party, but we have a really strong grassroots organisation. One thing, Gavin, that's really energised me since I've become leader has been travelling around the country, meeting our members, our great councillors. We have a fantastic network of local councillors, over 50 around the country, uh, local area reps and activists. And I think sometimes looking just at parliamentary numbers, you know, people miss that. But Labour is a movement. We are the political wing of the trade union movement. We're meeting today, in fact, to commemorate one one of our founding figures, Tom Johnson, it's 150 years since his birth. And we remember, you know, James Connolly, Jim Larkin and so many others who did so much to build a trade union and labour, mo- an organised labour movement. And we're the proud inheritors of that. So, you know, I've been involved in labour politics for over 30, in trade union politics for over 30 years. And, you know, labour has such an important voice. In, a, in Irish society and in Irish politics. We saw it in the by-election last summer. People want change, they want positive change and they want that message of change that comes okay. through so strongly from our Labour values of equality and solidarity. If, a, I, I think it's a very important time for us to put forward the Labour voice. If people do want to pursue change at the next general election then they're likely to try and evict at least the two larger parties of the current coalition and, and most people think the next coalition is either going to be, based on the current polls, Sinn Féin with the support of Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin with the support of 
the likes of yourselves, the Social Democrats, perhaps people for profit, maybe the Green Party, uh, all things depending. Um, is there something or is there any scope for you to collaborate with those parties in this stall to prove that there would be coherence to that? Because one of the major stumbling blocks to that might be that people think that a patchwork coalition like that of Sinn Féin and Labour and the Social Democrats and maybe the Greens and maybe PBP and maybe independents might be too uh, balkanised to work properly. Well, again, you know, I've been a long time in politics. I have a, I have a strong track record of working and collaboration with all parties and indeed with independents too to deliver change. I, in the Shannon, Gavin, I brought forward and saw into law more private members' bills than any other uh, any other senator. And, you know, I'm very proud of that record. And, really, you know, some of those pieces of legislation, really significant differences in people's lives. So, so I think, you know, we'll continue in that vein. We will continue to work with all parties uh, including to support parties in government where we think that's appropriate. I mean, we've supported the Green Party's ambitious but necessary climate targets, for example. We're an environmentalist party. We're a green-red party. And, you know, my own preferred coalition uh, it would be very much a left-of-centre green coalition where we would see environmentalist and uh, social democratic parties coming together uh, to form governments, as we've seen in other European countries. And, of course, we've never yet seen that in Ireland. But that's the ambition we have. But currently, you know, my own focus has to be on building and growing support for Labour and for Labour values across the country. So that's my focus. And, you know, everywhere I go, I'm here, including in Dublin Bay South, in my own constituency, I hear from people who want to see, you know, who want to see change, who want to see a sense of urgency, who want to see uh, really new policies coming through from whoever is in government to address the hardship they're facing on care, on climate, on housing, on jobs. These are the issues that are really biting into communities around the country. And, you know, that's what we want to offer is a a sense that we can change things, that we can deliver more state-led policies and more support for people that are struggling and that we can build an Ireland that works. That is our Labour message and that is our Labour mission. The Labour Party leader Ivana Bacic speaking to me a little earlier. She was unavailable to come and join us live but appreciated her time a little earlier this morning. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.